Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Peristyle Podcast. This is our recruiting Trojan Blast with Gerard Martinez, uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst, joining us on the show. So it's a special version of the show. The past month or so, we've been doing these. We do a normal podcast, Peristyle Podcast, on Monday. Then on Tuesday, we do a recruiting version just with Gerard Martinez answering all of your recruiting questions, and we've had plenty of them leading up to signing day we still got another month or so to go so it should be exciting maybe six weeks or so gerard we don't want to cut it anything short because it's an exciting time of year gerard what's going on man how you doing nothing much uh i think uh as we do the blast more and more the questions become increasingly specific and uh might end up being a premium feature on the board uh before i don't know we get we get much farther into it (laughs) it could be yeah well i mean we're going to probably take a little break from this uh next week uh, over the uh, Christmas holiday, and then we'll come back and in January, I think, and start doing some more. We'll both be down at the Army All-American Bowl early in January down in San Antonio, so we can kind of cover more you know, stuff down there and obviously putting everything on the peristyle. A lot of questions being answered there, but it's fun. It's been fun doing the show, and we did a, a 200th episode yesterday. If you didn't catch that, we had Lane Kiffin on the show, so you can go to peristylepodcast.com and download that. We also had a roundtable over at McKay's. With Gerard, myself, Dan Weber, uh, we had Harvey Hyde, and we had some some fans come down and ask a few questions. So it was fun. It was a fun time overall. Did you have fun, Gerard? Yeah. Um, you know, it was definitely a little more of a, a team-oriented discussion. So I guess that's why we have to come back uh, for a blast. We did do a blast, yeah. And if you have questions for us, always podcast at uscfootball.com is our email, or you can leave us a voicemail, 206 888 Six seven five five. If you want to hear your voice on the podcast, we like doing that. Uh, Gerard, well, I guess we should probably just jump right into things. Um, I jump in it. Jump in it. Uh, direct. That was a great direct TV commercial. Uh, who hosted the, the dynamic duo this last weekend? That's from Pat. No idea. <laughs> the visit has been deemed ninja confidential. So there hasn't been a lot of details uh, as to who hosted uh, T. Shepard and Deontay Greenberry. T. Shepard uh, being a 6'1", 175-pound cornerback from Fresno, and uh, Deontay Greenberry being his good friend, uh, 6'2", 190-pound receiver. Um, Deontay Greenberry was actually in Southern California playing the Division Three CIA championship game uh, for Washington Union, and they actually beat uh, Campolinda. Uh, this past uh, week and, and won the Division Three championship game. And after the game, he ended up going to USC on an official visit. Uh, what's interesting is that that visit was originally supposed to be unofficial. Uh, we heard through the grapevine earlier in the week that uh, T. Shepard was going to be visiting officially. And um, it's, it's really kind of hard to figure out how that visit all played out because Greenberry was only there – for, I don't know, not even 12 hours, I think, uh, because they ended up leaving early in the morning on the Sunday, and uh, his game um, in the championship at Carson Home Depot Center was over at around 4 o'clock. So uh, very kind of hard to figure out uh, who was coming and going when, and, and um, you know, there were some rumors that T. Shepard was actually just in town um, to watch the game. It basically was a free plane ticket uh, to come down and, and watch the game. But, you know, that seems a little over the top <laughs> to come down and watch a game when, you know, a lot of his family was just driving down. So, I don't know. There, there's, the, you know, like I said, the details have been uh, hard to really gather. Um, we do know that, uh, you know, his, his father was with him on the trip. And um, they they did visit together, and his father, who was uh, did did a quick interview with uh, Irish Illustrated, uh, which is the Notre Dame site on the Rivals.com network. Uh, he talked to Pete Sampson, and uh, his his father Ray Shepard 
I've kind of talked about, you said, you know, at, at one point during the visit, T. Shepard was very close to being a USC commit, that he thought he was going to switch, you know, and uh, and then said something to the effect that, you know, maybe USC maybe overplayed their hand a bit and, and talked too much about uh, how much better they were than Notre Dame, and they talked about the Jewel Shalala trophy and, and, you know, how they've, they've been able to win that, uh, you know, nine out of ten years and et cetera, et cetera type thing. And uh, maybe that kind of rubbed T the wrong way because he still had feelings for Notre Dame. Um, he said his hunch was that he'd stick with Notre Dame, but left the door open for a possible decommitment as well. Wednesday is going to be the first day of the early signing period, and T. Shepard is going to be able to sign tomorrow. Whether he does or not remains to be determined. Uh, we, you know, he didn't really specify uh, in uh, talking to Pete Thompson. Um, or excuse me, Pete Sampson, and we haven't really gotten any kind of specifics from anybody else either as to whether tomorrow is going to be the day that he ends it. You would figure Notre Dame would want him to sign tomorrow and to get it done. I don't think they want him lingering on into January. Uh, he doesn't have to um, really in, uh, sign and, and get enrolled at USC until you know ninth, tenth. Uh, that first week of the spring semester. And I think Notre Dame doesn't start school until even the week after that. So he actually has quite a bit of time still, and there is a, a little bit of a, a stretch there. So it's, it's, a, it's a signing period. It's not you have to sign Wednesday or you can't sign. So unfortunately for me, because uh, <laughs> this thing is dragged out a lot and some of these stories have way too much drama for them, this could end up being something that goes into January. So we'll see uh, how it goes. You know, Deontay Greenberry is not an early signee, so he does not have to sign until February. Uh, so that, that will drag on a little bit, and i got a feeling he's going to take some more official visits. Uh, my vibe with him, you know, if Shepard goes to Notre Dame, he, you know, Deontay Greenberry says he did their package deal that they go to the same school together. I tend to believe him. But then I think there's also a chance he doesn't go to Notre Dame. I, I, I all along just felt like, you know, he was going to end up at Oregon or end up at some other school. I think Shepard was a little more certain with Notre Dame of the two of them. Um, so, you know, we'll see. It, it's recruiting and, and kids say things, and sometimes those things don't actually happen. You're saying that kids don't tell the truth all the time? Not necessarily about telling the truth. It's just that, you know, they, they, their, their truth is, is temporary. Their truth is, uh, uh, this is what's happening to me right now. Um, you know, five hours from now could be something totally different, and then that's going to happen then. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a real, it's a relative type thing. It's not necessarily, you know, they're lying or they're trying to be, uh, you know, deceitful. I, I just think it's one of those things that, uh, that they're living in the here and now, and, and that's why you see so many commits and decommits and commits and decommits and strange things happen. Um, obviously, you know, them visiting USC, and I've been given prior information from a very good source in Fresno that, Greenberry is very high on USC and would like to go to USC. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of things in play there. And, and maybe there will be a war room primer. Maybe there will be a war room report where we get into this stuff a little more. You know, it kind of depends on what happens Wednesday, and, and uh, you know, that, that may free up some information. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it all takes out. Okay, and then before uh, we get into the rest of the questions, i got to let people know. Gerard Martinez, GMart Live, is on Twitter. Ah, yes. You want to tell people what your uh, Twitter hand handle is? I think you just did. It's at GMart Live, which is like Gerard, G, and Mart as in Martinez. So it's GMart Live, and it's all one word. And uh, I appreciate everybody who's uh, already following me. Um, it was uh, I didn't really think I would have a lot of followers at first, and I guess it uh, was pretty quick the first couple days. Um, but you know, we're on there and, and, you know, a lot of people in the peristyle were a little, uh, they had some reservations about that because, you know, they didn't want premium information being sold free because obviously then what are they paying for? But, you know, Twitter is definitely more of a, uh, just kind of getting a quick word out on, on certain things happening. And it's just kind of the, the sign of the times, you know, uh, stuff unfortunately gets taken off our message board and put on Twitter sometimes. So, you know, we, we should be doing the, doing that 
before anybody and, and the details and the analysis and the stuff that you guys really pay for, the Q&A type stuff that goes on and the interaction uh, with the USCfootball.com staff uh, still remains on a peristyle. So, you know, if you, if you want the real scoop and, and really what's going on with USC recruiting, that's where you have to be. I agree 100%. Check out the peristyle on USCfootball.com. It's going 24 hours a day. So uh, there's always people on there talking USC football and recruiting, and Gerard's always dropping knowledge bombs all over the place, so it's cool. Uh, let's see. What? <laughs> 24-7. You'd be shocked at the, the time of night and day that uh, people are asking questions. Yeah, it's not an exaggeration. Um, so let's see. Let's jump into some more questions. We have a couple about Eric Armstead. Thomas wants to know, is there a possibility of getting Eric Armstead back? And then Mike from... Latana, Texas, I believe it is. He said he heard he was 98% USC now. So Mike thinks he's definitely back. What What are your thoughts on Eric Armstead? We had a big, during the break, roundtable discussion about Eric Armstead. I wish we could put that up, too. Yeah, I don't. Um, well, I think with uh, Armstead, no. I, my, my, my feeling is he's still going away from USC. I, I think some things are playing out and and some some there's some realization that's going on I think with this family uh as to to where things stand with not just the recruiting process but what's going on with Armand Armstead and that has pretty much been the motivation behind a lot of what's going on with USC and and Eric's recruitment and so I think at this point there's still really a better chance I mean 98 chance percent chance to USC? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, is there a slim, slim chance? Uh, possibly. Um, I honestly, I wouldn't put it past, uh, Eric actually maybe end up at, at, a, at a UCLA now. I know that they're looking at UCLA and, and he wants to take a visit uh, unofficially down the campus. And, um, there's going to be some investigation of, of that program and kind of where they're headed with the new coaching staff, uh, because Eric wants to play basketball. And while UCLA basketball right now is, is obviously, uh, not very good. It's, it's not much better than what USC's playing on the, on the, on the hardwood. Uh, there's still that tradition and, and it's obviously still a program, um, by name, and so you know, playing basketball there, I think would still be uh, a big deal. Um, I'm not really sure what his contact has been with the basketball team at UCLA. That's you know another question. Um, and uh, you know, but football-wise, I think the football staff is definitely in touch with him, and they definitely want to try to get him down. And Eric loves Los Angeles. I think Eric really loves USC. To be honest with you, I think that um, you know, when I'm talking to him when he decommitted. Uh, I think he was it was it was a little emotional for him, um, but there's a lot of other stuff at play, and you know some things that are really not going to change. And and you know again Armand, I don't I don't foresee him playing at USC. Um, you know if he's able to go to another school and play, I think that would definitely influence Eric as well. Uh, but that I guess remains to be seen as well. So it's it's tough it's tough to talk about because I know things that you know I can't really talk about on the air and and. Um, there's there's a lot of little things that go on with with this whole recruitment that uh, have um, have have affected it and so um, you know without rambling on anymore I would say there's still more of a slim chance that he ends up at USC but but it, but still maybe a chance nonetheless. Okay, um, you mentioned the early signing period and one of the guys that USC is looking at is uh, Gerald Bowman. We actually had him on our live show. People could check that out. Uh, here's a question about Gerald Bowman, a, a voicemail question. Hey, Ryan, it's McGill. I got a question for Gerard. Um, Bowman said he's committing tomorrow, which would be Wednesday. Uh, any word on where he's going? And um, uh, there's rumors out there that Brandon Williams, a highly touted running back from last year that committed to Oklahoma, is transferring. Any chance we could get in there? Since we're out for Russell, uh, Kevari Russell said he's going to either Washington or Notre Dame. So since we're out, you know, I wanted to know if uh, we have a shot with Brandon Williams. Thank you very much. And fire it off. Well, there's a, again, you know, you asked me for rapid fire. There's like about three or four questions in there. <laughs> um, we'll go with Bowman first, and uh, you can you can kind of give me some uh, some some updates if I'm losing uh, what's going on uh, throughout the questions. Uh, Bowman is going to commit tomorrow. 
Um, we're going to see, you know, where he goes. Where's the latest? A lot of people feel like it's Miami. Uh, we do have some maybe some info coming out on that. Um, again, maybe a war room printer, uh, primer uh, type post uh, with uh, some things that, that kind of make it complicated and, and we have to um, have a little more detail on uh, as to whether, you know, it affects USC's chances. But there is something that uh, I just heard about that, it, you know, it's maybe a little interesting. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's down to Oklahoma, it's down to Miami, it's down to USC. I feel like USC is kind of where he wants to go, but like I said again, there's factors that are kind of in play uh, that I can't really discuss right now that, that do affect whether he's going to be able to go to USC or not. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Now, regarding uh, Brandon Williams, uh, haven't heard much about him. Uh, that's, you know, kind of a, a good point to make. You know, USC's still looking – for that running back, uh, that big back in this class, and it's really going to be difficult because, you know, if you're looking at JUCOs, it's really tough to get those guys in early. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. Um, and, you know, in terms of the high school running backs, this class is really not a lot of big backs uh, that you have to choose from that are going to be guys that are early enrollees. Uh, we talked about Brianante Dunn, the 6'1", 225-pound running back from Canton, Ohio. Uh, he sounds like he's re-solidified his commitment to Ohio State after an official visit, uh, hasn't been able to get out to USC for a visit, so that kind of seems like a done deal. Um, there's just not a lot of other big guys out there. Uh, I don't know how big Brandon Williams really is. Uh, you know, I don't know what kind of uh, you know physical development he's had at Oklahoma, but he is a guy that's got a little more height and a little more size than your average scat back. And USC definitely seems to be looking in that direction rather than just looking for another guy uh, that's you know five, ten, 180 pounds. So we'll see. You know what goes on. It's um, going to be very interesting to see how the early enrollees stack up because that is going to leave room for possible transfers. Um, you know, in regards to Bowman, you also have a guy like Josh Shaw who's floating around out there, who's uh, you know six one, a one hundred ninety five pound. Or actually, I mean, closer to six two. He's, he's got a pretty good size on him. Um, he was a six six two, one hundred ninety five pound safety uh, originally from Florida and uh, transferred out of Florida just this past semester, um, started about four games for the Gators. And uh, he's also looking at USC, and he's looking at a few other schools that are close to home. Um, but he, you know, like Bowman, is kind of looking at the depth chart. I actually talked to him last night, and, um, you know, he just wants to kind of get a feel for where he's going to have that opportunity to play and, and be successful. And so, you know, if, if Bowman doesn't work out for USC, there's always that possibility that Josh Shaw is there. Um, and the same thing kind of with uh, the running back position. You know, maybe they're able to get a transfer that comes in that's that big back, a guy that's able to be a little more of a bruiser. You know, Brandon Williams is a five-star out of high school. He wasn't necessarily considered a power back, but again, you know, he may be a little bigger, uh, a little stronger than the average, uh, you know, running back, and that's really what USC is looking for because they've got, you know, DJ Morgan, they've got Amir Carlisle, uh, they've got plenty of guys that are good, solid kind of combo backs. They really need somebody who can kind of move the pile a little more. I don't know if that's necessary, Brandon Williams. Uh, we'll see. You know, if USC takes some interest in them. Uh, okay, how about from Donnie? Is SC recruiting any five-star running backs out of Texas, keeping on the running back theme? Well, Brandon Williams, uh, I believe, is originally from Texas, um, so <laughs> we're kind of uh, maybe, uh, but uh, no, not really, not right now. Um, you know, and, and the running backs in Texas right now are, are pretty small. And, and again, that's not what USC wants. Uh, I mean, and USC I'm lost sure the Texas guy, recruiter too. I mean, losing a Texas recruiter this year doesn't hurt, doesn't help. Yeah, they don't have anybody specific to Texas um, to recruit right now and, and, and kind of lost the guy at the beginning of the year at Willie Matt Garza when he resigned. So that's, you know, that really kind of takes away any relationships that you had, any kind of, uh, you know, maybe inside scoop on some honey holes where there's, you know, a kid or a couple kids that are looking to get out of Texas. Um, so, you know, at this point, you know, a guy like Jonathan Gray, uh, uh, you know, the, the kid that, that was committed to A&M, uh, Trey Williams, I think he is. He, these guys are first grade and not really going anywhere outside Texas. And, and a guy like uh, Trey Williams is, is just too small, I think, for USC uh, to be recruiting at this point. So, um, you know, you, you really, again, it's, it's something specific that USC is looking for. You know, they're not looking just for another good running back in this class, they're looking for a specific big power back, a guy that, you know, I mean, Kelvin York is basically, you know, what you would 
what you would want to see, I, I guess, in a replacement back, somebody that they could, you know, bring in and, and feel like they were going to get somebody that could kind of move that pile and punish guys in the second half. Okay. Uh, Paul and Petaluma had a couple of questions. One you already answered regarding uh, the dynamic duo, um, but he's asking about Kevon Seymour. Any credence the remo- the, to the rumor that Kevon Seymour's brother received a baseball scholarship offer from UCLA, and that, as a result, Kevon will sign with the Bruins as part of a package. Ah, we have someone who did not subscribe to the Peristyle because this was talked about uh, many months ago, actually. Uh, UCLA made a play uh, to try to make Kevon and Keon, uh, the twins, a package deal uh, to UCLA. Uh, they offered him uh, a baseball scholarship, and um, that was, you know, a pretty, pretty bold move. It looks like Keon is probably going to be a guy that has the potential to be able to sign a minor league uh, baseball contract. So he may not really even go to college, but UCLA under Rick Neuheisel actually made that play. Uh, they promised him the number one. Um, you know, they made a lot of guarantees. They're trying really hard, uh, this, especially this new staff, to try to make some type of statement on the recruiting trail. And, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the war room. And, um, again, you know, when you have a bad season like that, you want to try to distance yourself from 50 to nothing as much as you can. You know, you, you want to make that splash. You want to show everybody, hey, listen, this is a new UCLA. This is a, a new regime, and we're going to do things differently, and we're going to be successful, and we're going to build this new rising program. So you've got to start on the recruiting trail, and they've come in early enough where they can try to kind of make some relationships happen with some big-time recruits, and they brought in coaches that already have established relationships with big-time recruits, and one being Keevon Seymour. You know, Demetrius Martin, being from Muir High School and having recruited that area for Washington for the past couple of years, he has a good relationship with Keon or Kevon and wants to continue to build that relationship. And now that he's local, you know, kind of almost trying to hit the reset button on it a little bit, you know, keep the positives. Hey, you know, uh, you know, we have, we've had a good rapport and everything. Now I'm with this new program and we're doing this new thing and it's closer to home you know, why don't you give us another look type deal? And so, you know, they're, they're using, you know, the baseball with Keon, his twin brother. Um, they're using a lot of stuff. You, know, you can play early. Uh, you know, you, you've got a good relationship with, with uh, you know, Demetrius Martin. And he was down there on an unofficial visit visiting UCLA uh, last weekend, along with Ellis McCarthy and a few other recruits um, that were guys that, you know, USC's targeting. And, um, and they're pushing hard. You know, they're really trying to make that splash. So uh, we'll see if it happens. Um, we'll see if they're able to kind of get some guys on official visits. You know, I think um, it's it, in that sense, that's where it's kind of hard. You know, they're, they're I think, going to have to use some unofficial visits to maybe sway these guys. And USC has done a really good job. And, you know, as I've said before, this isn't Pete Carroll's USC either. Um, you know, Pete Carroll's USC could kind of become complacent at certain points, and UCLA was able to nab uh, a couple commits from them because I think they kind of fell asleep at the wheel. And you know what? At the end of the day, those commits that UCLA got, uh, guys like Moore Presley, Randall Carroll, really turned out to be better for USC that they didn't end up uh, Trojans because, I mean, Randall Carroll's kind of just been a debacle, and he, I think he tweets more than he catches uh, passes, and Merle Presley's not even at UCL anymore, and he's got more tattoos than he's caught passes. So it's like, come on, man. I mean, really, are you going to be upset about those guys leaving? Maybe there was a reason they left uh, and, and decommitted at the last moment to go to UCLA. I think that kind of stands again with, with, with USC, but this staff at USC is – just relentless. I mean, these guys are not going to fall asleep. If they have a guy that they want, you're going to have to pry it from their cold, dead hands. I mean, they really are going to be on top of Ellis McCarthy. They're going to keep recruiting Kevon uh, Seymour. You know, it's just one of those things where uh, these guys are not going to be outworked, and it, just, it seems like they recruit. I guess, you know, as Ed McCarthy, uh, Ellis McCarthy's dad actually said uh, to me, he says, you know, they recruit like they're – a max school or, or they recruit like they're a school that, you know, hasn't won any games or they they're trying to get out there and, and trying to make a big impression when, you know, you know, it's USC and they, they, they have a prestigious uh, tradition and, and they have all these championships behind them. And so you've got a combination of two things. You've got the brand and then you've got, you know, recruiters that are out there that are, that are nonstop. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if UCLA is able to make that statement. I will make a prediction if they're not, able to get somebody away from USC that's at the top of the board, and really that's 
at this point going to be Ellis McCarthy, Jordan Simmons, um, Keevon Seymour. There's really only you know three or four guys that would really be guys that you could you could kind of hang your hat on if you're a UCLA coaching staff. Um, if they're not able to do that, expect a, a gigantic junior day. <laughs> they're gonna, it's going to be kind of uh, that. Uh, I think it was what 2007 where they had the sudden Saturday where they had like eight commits and and three or four of those guys were top guys and it was like kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I think UCLA will try to do that again with some 2013 guys. You know, like early in January before anybody you know is really talking about that next class they'll try to kind of have like a an unofficial visit day and get all those kids and, and try to get some commitments out of all those kids uh to try to you know again a little bit of a distraction and it's a smart play i mean we're, i mean i'm not i'm not uh, criticizing it it's it's what they have to do they have to try to get away from Rick Neuheisel, passion buckets 50 to nothing that's all got to be in the past and the only way they're going to do that is if they distract some people with some good recruiting and um you know, thus far, it's been a lot of talk and a lot of buildup, and the media has kind of jumped on the bandwagon a little bit and, uh, and, and hyped them up. But it had, the results have yet to really come through. Uh, all right, Gerard. Now, so the, the theme of that was, Paul and Petaluma, you need to subscribe to USCfootball.com. Yeah, because three months ago you would have known about that. Yeah, and then he did ask you kind of a yes or no question, and that was not exactly rapid fire. So you can't blame the question on that one. Well, I could have gone just right at him and said uh, yes, and this went on, but I don't think people would have. That's would have been no, but there was no credence to the rumor. Um, that's okay. That was a very thorough answer, and and so just Paul, just so you know, Paul, you could have learned that three months ago, which is a good thing. Uh, let's go to Jeremy in Honolulu, Hawaii. Can we please get Gerard's take on why it doesn't seem that USC brings in that many top-flight cornerbacks? Well, there's not a lot of type top flight cornerback. Man, this is like a a tongue twisting uh, blast here. It I is. got Keon and Kevon and Honolulu and uh, top flight cornerbacks. Top flight cornerbacks in California are how do I put this? They're not uh, obvious all the time. And there's a lot. I mean, defensive backs in California actually, if you look at the numbers uh, NFL wise, uh, California produces. Uh, more top-flight defensive backs than than Florida, than Texas, than any other state. Position-wise, it is actually when you start when you look at the end result of who these guys are are, are signing in the NFL. California does a really good job. I mean, they put guys in the draft that are defensive backs. Now there's a lot of safeties, um, but there's also more cornerbacks than you would you would ever really imagine looking at the high school level. And what it is is that a California, uh, you've got a lot of passing offenses uh, that are pretty sophisticated. And so you actually get to see guys um, get challenged in, in, in high school in California. And so you see guys get beat, and people kind of, I think, you know, they're like, oh, that guy's pretty good. You know, maybe uh, an example would be like Brandon Beaver. Brandon Beaver, you know, people are like, um, he's pretty good. I mean, he's an Army All-American, but nobody's really hyped up about him. But, you know, Brandon Beaver's actually seen some teams that I can actually can throw the ball. And can and attack him. Where you might go down south, and these guys are, you know, six foot, 180 pounds. They're fast as lightning. They're aggressive. But really, all you see from them on any of their tape is them basically going up and, and tackling people because it's all run game. You know, there's not a lot of passing. So I think you know a little bit of that, um, you know, paralysis by over analysis uh, is a factor in looking at defensive backs on the West Coast. Um, I also think that a lot of high school programs, rightfully so, don't put good athletes at corner. Um, you know, Kevon Seymour doesn't actually play cornerback. He plays safety from your high school. Uh, most guys that are good defensive backs are going to be playing cornerback because what you can, all you have to do is just not throw that side of the field. <laughs> you basically take him out of the defensive scheme. And so it's, it's a lot easier to uh, – Put a guy in a different position, you know, you have to move him up to maybe even the outside linebacker. He's playing safety. Uh, you have to move him around in order to make him a, a vital part of your defense and uh, allow him to make plays. So you're not going to see guys playing cornerback. So, again, that's something else that, you know, some of these guys that may be coming out of more like free safeties and stuff, you can end up moving over to corner. You know, Brandon Browner, guys like that. So, you know, I think that it's just one of those things that it's a, it's a little bit of, um, you know, this, the colleges kind of maybe they don't buy into the cornerbacks uh, being good out here. There's a lot of guys that seem to fall through the cracks. Um, but 
There are, you know, and when you look at the numbers, granted, it's not necessarily like California's got, you know, De- Deion Sanders or, or there's all these kind of, you know, big, big name guys, but, you know, quantity-wise, as far as what's ending up in the NFL, uh, you'd be surprised. There's there's a lot more Anton Kaysons, uh than, than uh, I guess you would imagine at face value. Okay, uh, thanks for that one, Jeremy. Let's go to Darren. Given the 15 scholarship limits on recruiting for the next three years, how many of the targeted, uncommitted five-star players like Ellis McCarthy, Kyle Murphy, do you feel will ultimately sign with USC for this class? Wow, that's kind of a that's a little bit of a what's your prediction? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, day, I mean, which is I guess the ones that maybe mention the ones USC has a, a shot. At. I mean, Jordan Simmons already in, you know. Yeah, Jordan Simmons is is already committed and and reaffirmed that commitment uh, just recently. You know, we were talking about uh, um, you know the the guys at UCLA is trying to make a play on, and Jordan Simmons definitely at the top of the list. I mean, he was a guy that they really try to make a run at, but um, it's kind of an interesting thing because you know they talking to Jordan, he was really kind of annoyed by it. It almost seemed and says that he's still you know pretty solid to USC. Things can change after the bowl game and, and after we get on the other side of the Christmas break. And I'm sure UCLA is going to continue to recruit him. I don't think they're going to stop and, and try to get him on campus for an official visit and try to make some drama there towards the end. But uh, right now it seems like he's pretty solid to USC and, and he, he wants to go to USC. Um, it was interesting actually posted on Facebook the other day. Uh, I saw something about, you know, he was a Trojan for life or something like that. And then, you know, you had a, a bunch of, you know, USC and UCLA fans going back and forth. Actually, not just UCLA fans, but actually some 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 ex-players that went to UCLA that, uh, I don't know, some, some real kind of shady stuff going on. And that, and that kind of makes me irritated just to see, you know, people getting in there telling kids where they should go and what they should do. And it's just, uh, and, and doing it on the sly, it's just, it's, that's one of the bad parts of like Facebook and Twitter and, you know, these kids are these total strangers that are telling them, hey, you know, this is where you should go and this should be your decision. And here, let me tell you all the great things about this university. It's just kind of like, really? I mean, come, dude, back off. But anyways, I digress. Um, <laughs> Alice McCarthy, yes, USC's uh, definitely got a shot for him. Um, he, you know, talked about them being his leader. I think that still stands. You know, we'll see. UCLA's trying to chip away at it and, and trying to, you know, uh, you know, get, get, kind of into the to, the to the race a little more, if you will. Um, it was really more Cal-USC coming into the month. Um, Kyle Murphy still looking at USC, 6'5", uh, 275-pound um, offensive tackle. A lot of video uh, from, you know, his uh, the, the Southern Section Championship game um, that, that uh, you filmed, Brian. Uh, you can check him out. And Max Turek, uh, who's uh, already committed to USC, uh, who's uh, also on that video. Um, just, you know, I, I think with him – uh, speaking of Murphy, it's it's a Stanford USC deal. A lot of people feel like he's going to go to Stanford. His brother down to Harvard, and um, obviously, you know, academics are a huge part of his decision. Um, I don't know if he's actually been admitted to Stanford yet. You know, that's a question that I think a lot of people haven't answered. It's, and it's a question that, you know, it's very serious because if you, you're not admitted to Stanford academically, then that's not a choice for you. Obviously, with his brother having gone to uh, Harvard, you feel like okay, yeah, there's there's probably a good shot that he's you know he's got his p's and q's together, uh, but we have yet to hear or confirm that he's actually been admitted. Um, same thing goes for Andres P. He's looking at Stanford. He's looking at Texas. He's looking at Florida State. Uh, Nebraska was in there because um, his brother um, had, had gone. Todd had gone to uh, Nebraska just last year, so he's a freshman there at Nebraska. Um, I think USC's in a really good position for him. Um, and, and that's another five-star guy. That's a guy that with Matt Khalil gone, I think USC really has to circle the wagons on. Six seven, three hundred pounds. It has just you know the physical frame and, and ability to be able to compete for that starting job next year in fall camp, and I think that's uh, a big deal. I think it's uh, USC's close, and I think that uh, he he has a pretty good rapport with uh, his recruiter Joe Barry, and um, he's going to take an official visit January 13th. That's going to be pretty big. I mean, that's one of those that's one of those pivotal guys in the class right now uh, that uh, is still kind of I think kind of go either way. Um, but I, I think USC leads. Uh, and then you've got other guys that are, you know, you've got the five-star guys, and you've got the four-star guys that are very important, guys like Zach Banner, 6'9", 310-pound uh, offensive tackle from uh, Lakewood, uh, Washington. He's coming in January 13th, and supposedly he's going to actually uh, announce his commitment uh, January 14th. 
so that's interesting. Um, you're going to visit USC January 13th, and you're going to officially visit. We'll see what happens there. Um, maybe uh, some foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, and then you know, there's a few other guys. You know, DJ Foster, the 5'10", under 75 pound uh, running back slash receiver slash maybe defensive back uh, from Scottsdale, another Arizona guy who's a four-star prospect. Uh, there's quite a few guys on the board still. And, and like I said, 15, you kind of wonder, well, these guys are, are you know, Nelson Aguilar, I didn't even mention him, he's a five-star guy, 6'1", 185-pound. Uh, really receiver, it looks like he's going to be recruited as um, from Tampa, Florida. Uh, he's going to be visiting USC. We're not really sure when exactly he comes in. I wouldn't be surprised if it was January 28th. It was the last <laughs> it was the last possible uh, uh, weekend that uh, USC could, uh, could bring in official visits uh, because, you know, he's going to be one of those out-of-state guys that you definitely want to kind of get the last word in. Um, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. It's, and you'd be shocked. You know, right now with this early signing period, you know, we're trying to really figure it all out. But, man, January, it, it seems like you almost hit the reset button again and things just start to change and, and there's new names. And all of a sudden you're going, wow, where, where the hell did this come from? So uh, when we get on the other side – of uh, the Army All-American game, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have to reassess kind of what the class looks like and, and who's in from the early signing period and who's not. Okay. Uh, we got a few more, Gerard, on the home stretch here. This is from Stephen J. Conroy, Ph.D., so another uh, – got some more educated people listening to the show. They, they, I don't know. They might pull your Ph.D., man, if they know you're listening to the show, but that's cool. <laughs> You're a recruit, Nick. Uh, if things don't pan out in terms of getting all the early enrollees Kiffin wants, do you think he would consider handing out scholarships to current walk-ons? Two players in particular seem worthy of this. Uh, Nathan Gertler, the backup left tackle, and Kyle Negretti, the awesome punter. Aren't both both of these guys worth looking, I mean, locking in as scholarship players? Very possible. Um, I think that it kind of goes, you know, early enrollees and see kind of how that shakes out. And then they'll get to maybe looking at some transfers and, you know, talking to some guys and kind of getting a feel for where they might fit in. And then, you know, in the back of their mind knowing, okay, we've got a couple of guys that we might want to give scholarships to as walk-ons. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, you know, we saw it happen obviously last year, but last year was a little different scenario than this year with the 75. Um, but, uh, um, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of questions still as to, you know, how – the scholarship walk-on, um, you know, that process works. If you give uh, a walk-on a scholarship, are you able to have him come back the next year as a walk-on without a scholarship? There's some questions that we have to get answered with that that probably impact those decisions down the line too. Um, but uh, but definitely, I think, you know, a guy like Kyle Negretti, yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely earned a scholarship. Um, but uh, USC, you know, has him sort of, you know, committed, if you will. I mean, he's already at USC, and he's a Trojan right now, and I'm sure he's, you know, really enjoying his time at USC. Uh, you you want to try to bulk those 75 numbers up as much as possible. So, you know, in essence, USC has, you know, 76, maybe 77 actual guys uh, because you've got a couple of walk-ons that are guys that are, uh, you know, good enough to play on scholarships. So um, that's, that's, that's probably going to be the process of, of how they do it in terms of, you know, who's, who, how they go about figure out, okay, do we give a scholarship to walk? And I think you got to go through those guys that are early enrollees, and then you got to go through some guys that might be transfers first. Right, yeah, there's a lot of uh, scholarship math to come, and we'll keep you guys updated. I think, I think they're both deserving, but I think they're going to be – my gut feeling is they're going to be on the outside looking in because they're going to have to bring in as many recruits in as possible. And any, any scholarship you give to a walk-on is a scholarship you're not giving to a recruit. And I think it might change, but I think this year especially, the, the total number is such a big deal. It's going to be tough to get under that 75 as it is. So giving out a couple of walk-on scholarships might be tough. But I think maybe in year two or three of the sanctions, uh, you might see something like that. Uh, let's go to Terry, and he wants to know, on signing day, uh, and this is more kind of scholarship math stuff, we can assume there will be more uncommitted recruits holding offers than there will be scholarships available. How does the co coaching staff manage what seems to be the likely possibility that more signed commitments commitments will be faxed in rather than the number of scholarship slots that are available. It's kind of like that come down to the wire, Gerard, how do you make sure you get to 15 and not 16 or 17? Uh, the honest answer is I don't know. Um, and I don't know how you could know necessarily. I think, you know, the staff is, is 
going to do a good job of assessing the numbers. And like we said, you know, you kind of have to get on the other side of that early enrollment um, to know where you're at with that. And then you can kind of figure out if you, you have the ability to take some transfers. Uh, that 15, though, is pretty locked in. I mean, that, that's kind of a locked in number because um, that's, that's, that's the maximum you can take uh, for the actual 2012 class that signs in February. Um, the total number, you know, some people are looking back and forth going, well, you know, aren't you going to, aren't you going to probably end up over signing because you're going to have too many guys that are already on scholarship now, you know, the coaching staff has a good idea of who's coming back next year. And I think that 15 is 15. And so I, I think they feel pretty confident in, in, in as long as we get those 15 guys for February and, and that's the number we have and we're solidified in that, then we're good to go. The only issue is, is we're coming up short, um, and, and not intentionally, obviously, but just, you know, you feel like you've got 15 guys, and then there's a guy that kind of ends up being a coin flip towards the end. You know, you may not have a plan B for him. It, it's, it's tough to have a plan B for, for that guy, and, and you know, when it's signing day, already coming down to, uh, you know, the last day and everybody else is going to sign because your plan B is most likely going to be someone that uh, – didn't have a scholarship to commit to. So, you know, you pretty you go down a couple steps there in terms of uh, the talent when you're talking about those, you know, a player that you're waiting on that may be a four-star and a guy that is waiting after signing day because he doesn't have an offer. Um, so, and, you know, those situations come up. That we're going to get a preview, a little bit of that. I think, um, you know, I say hopefully Wednesday, but, but here in the early signing period, a guy like T. Shepard, you know, what's going to happen with T. Shepard? Is he going to – is he going to actually flip and go to USC and sign? And, and it's a done deal. And USC, you know, they have six slots basically ready to go. Um, they've got three guys committed. Uh, you know, they're waiting for three more guys. Do they play it right? Do they read the situation right and hit it perfectly and sign six guys here in this period? Then you get a sense, okay, they're going to be able to do that uh, probably in February, you give them a better chance of doing that because they were re they read the early signing period right, so they're going to probably read uh, February right. But if they don't, and you get like a guy like T. Shepard, then that just reminds everybody how hard it is, you know, down that stretch where you've got you know a big time guy and it's a Lamar Dawson type guy, and you're thinking, yeah, I'm not sure if we have this guy or something. I mean, when do you all of a sudden go back and pull a trigger on another guy? You know, when do you? When do you, at what point during that, maybe that last week until signing date, do you say, uh, screw it, let's go after this three-star guy and offer him. He may commit right on the spot, but we got to do it because we're just not confident enough that we're going to get this other four or five-star four or five star guy. So it's hard, man. I, I mean, but I think, like I said, numbers-wise, I, I, I think the overall number, I, I'm not really – I don't. I don't think SEN should be too wrapped up in that, just because I think that the, that the coaching staff knows. You know, a guy like Bryce Butler. I think they knew Bryce Butler was going to be looking around a transfer. Um, I think they know, obviously, much more about injuries uh, than we do, and guys that may not be coming back because of injury situations. Um, so I think they have a good idea of what their roster is going to look like next year with returners. Um, I, I think it's just more of, you know, that last week. You know, they can't have any D. Anthony Thomases. They can't, you can't have that, you know. And, and it's hard to predict that. You know, obviously, USC didn't really see that coming. So how do you prepare for that? Um, you know, that, that, that's going to be the difficult thing. But I think that, you know, they're going to aim for that 15, and um, they're going to be they're, – they're just going to try to get, you know, every guy over-signing because, they, you know, they have a plan B in, in action, and, and maybe there's another five-star guy that wants to sign at the end of the day. Um, you know, can it happen? Um, yeah, sure it can. And, and I mean – Maybe it's it's discussed, you know, at that point with the the kid that's the plan B. Like, listen, you know, we're looking at we're looking at a scholarship, basically one slot open for two people, and um, it can work for you, it can work against you. If you offer that kid and he says, you know, I, I'm I'm going to commit and I want to sign three days from now, and then all of a sudden on that day when you get those letters of intent, all of a sudden, you know, you get a call or you get a fax uh, from that five star kid. Uh, then you you kind of have to go, well, you know, we had that situation come up where, <laughs> you know, there was one scholarship and the guy who, uh, who, was, who, was, who was originally coming that we originally planned for is, you know, you're going to have to maybe go somewhere else. It's going to be some hurt feelings, but, you know, USC can use it to their advantage also because uh, they, can, they can maybe get some guys to, to, to commit right away and not play around because they know that those numbers are limited as well. So it's... It's tough. We're just going to see, you know, there's going to be drama as, as usual. USC recruiting is never dull. 
Okay. Uh, one last thing. It's from Al Capone in Newport Beach. Uh, I guess Al Capone right. is in Newport Beach now? I thought he was from Chicago. Yeah. Well, he's in Newport Beach now. Uh, no, we know Al. Um, some of my disgruntled UCLA friends, and maybe that's from the 50 to nothing uh, beatdown that Gerard mentioned earlier, continue to complain about this. The, excuse me, about the discrepancy in athletic admission standards between USC and UCLA. Can you shed any light on these perceived differences? Do athletic scholarship exemptions exist, and how are they determined? This will be very rapid-fire because there's really not a lot of exemptions. The exemptions are more academically in terms of what classes you have to take. I think UCLA, there's like an extra art class that they have to take, um, and, I, and I don't know the details of it all, but I know I remember Alan Bradford back when he was going through the recruiting process, and um, one of the things that his dad had mentioned is that he had to go and take another art class to be able to get into UCLA, and it was kind of an odd thing our class, you know, but, but for the most part, you know, with USC and UCLA, when it comes to academics, all the core classes are the same. Um, you know, the guys at USC can get in early as JUCOs are the same guys that UCLA can get in early as JUCOs. And that's one of those things that, you know, that's not true across the board with all the schools in the PAC 10. Um, it's not or PAC 12, I should say, it's not true with all the schools, uh, nationally. There are schools that are able to take guys early, um, or, or just JC guys in general, that don't have maybe classes that are core classes that USC, um, you know, cannot take. So we saw that happen uh, a few times uh, in the past where maybe there's a, especially with the junior college players, that kind of seems to stand out where they'll have, you know, such amount of credits, but there's maybe a foreign language class or something that comes up that uh, they're not able to get in on. Um, so it's, it's, Really more of that, it's kind of, you know, petty little things that uh, um, that don't allow, you know, maybe a guy to get in here or a guy to get in there. But it's not like a significant, you need two more years of math to get into UCLA and you can't get into USC. That, that stuff is overblown. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do just with the coaches and, and kind of, um, you know, the feel. I mean, UCLA recruits. You know, there, there's I think guys that are that are that are right that follow recruiting that that are that are dealing with these kids. You do get a sense like there's there's kind of a different kind of recruit that goes to UCLA as opposed to USC. Um, you know, I haven't been doing this for very long. I mean, it's been less than ten years, but um, that's kind of the you know you kind of see a USC guy. You know, there's kind of that kind of thing like yeah, he kind of seems like a USC guy. Um, and then there's the recruits you go, yeah, it kind of seems like more of a, a UCLA type of recruit. Um, you know, and, and so, and, and that just comes from, uh, I don't know, uh, just, uh, how kids, uh, uh, talk and, and, and just feel for them. And, and it's definitely USC kids have more of an edge. They, they seem to be more competitive. They seem to just be a little more aggressive in, 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 in how, uh, they approach just things in general. Um, I, and it's, it's, it's a little genesis qua. It's hard to describe, like, kind of where that comes from or why that is. Um, but it kind of, you see it, uh, you see it on the field as well. And, and I don't know how long it's been like that. Like I said, I, I've only been close to it this long for, I don't know, seven, eight years now. Um, but, uh, it, there, there is something to be said for that. Uh, but that is, of course is entirely different than, you know, actually saying you can come here or you can't get in here type thing. It's, it's not like Stanford. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's pretty close. So I would say, uh, to cut it short, uh, they're, they're, they're really kind of perceived, and I think not perceived realistically. You mean Randall Carroll and and Presley weren't uh, men's up? You know, Randall <laughs> Presley actually, to me, was more of a USC guy. And that was a funny thing is that, that we used to say that, uh, you know, when that whole thing was going on, it was like, really? Right? Randall Carroll? Yeah, kind of you could see, you know, there were some things there that kind of gave you a feel for him. And, and he's originally from Orange County, Randall Carroll. And that's, so that's why they used to call him O.C. Somebody said that his nickname was O.C. because it was out of control. I remember somebody wrote an article about that, and I was like, what? That's not true. His, his nickname was O.C. among all the kids in, uh, in, in Andrew City because he was from Orange County, and he was an Orange County kid, and they used to kind of make fun of him for that. <laughs> so he kind of, there was something about him that you, you kind of go, I could see him going to UCLA. Like I, I can, I, yeah, yeah. Personality wise, there's something there that he kind of seems like more of a UCLA guy. Um, and it has nothing to do with whether you're from the city or you're from Orange County or you're from the Inland Empire. It's just something about the way you handle yourself and, and your presence, I guess. And, um, you know, maybe UCLA tries to change that with the new coaching staff. I, I don't know. It, it's kind of been that way you know, since, you know, 
the end of Toledo era into you know Carl Durrell and, and Rick Neuheisel, um, you just kind of had that feel. But Marl Presley was actually a guy that I would say, you know, just talking to him, I'd say, eh, that's a USC guy. So that was really kind of a surprise in terms of, you know, how he fit in with, 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 with the class and, and other players and, and how they get along. You kind of get a little more feel uh, that, that he would have been a guy that wouldn't have gone to U, uh, USC, but he didn't. And, and, it was a do- and it was a bullet dodged, you know. Maybe, but, you know, at the same time you could argue, hey, maybe he doesn't, maybe his career ends up differently at USC. You know, maybe USC, yeah, they, they, they push him differently than he was pushed at UCLA. I, you know, it's, 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 that's, that's hard to really kind of to project and to talk about. Okay, well, Gerard, great stuff as always. We uh, appreciate you coming on and doing the Trojan Blast recruiting podcast. A lot of fun and some some great info, and definitely everyone should check out the Peristyle because Gerard's on there way too much, <laughs> answering lots of questions all, all week, all day long. Yes, yes, yes. It will be, uh, unfortunately, it's going to be an interesting week and uh, uh, trying to juggle a lot of things, obviously, with a holiday. But, uh, yep, it's going to be uh, Wednesday. You know, I, like I said, I crossed my fingers Wednesday. We... <laughs> it'd be awesome if they, they got six guys signed and just, you know, that was that. And then we get ready for the big push, you know, after the, the all American game. But I just have this, uh, feeling that there might be some lingering things going on into the holidays and, uh, you know, we'll be there. We'll be on top of it. Even though Ryan is flying away. I'm flying. Into, yeah. You're taking off into Boston or wherever you're going. Off going to Virginia, actually see my sister, but yeah. Uh, but tomorrow's a good big day. So definitely check out the site. There'll be, uh, some signings and and the the first part of this recruiting class will be in the books and then there'll be some maybe you know maybe there'll be a well, few technically, questions. Technically, it will be the last player. Well, it won't be the yeah, it would be the well. Yeah, it technically doesn't mean anything because it won't be the, the last player of last year's recruiting class will actually sign early because right. the, these guys are all towards the 2011 class, which is how the USC is able to get them in. Uh, but anyways, we'll just that's going to open up a whole other Pandora's box, so let's just cut it. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thanks again, Gerard, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast this week. Hope you enjoyed our 200th episode spectacular uh, yesterday. Check that out on peristylepodcast.com, and we have our live Ustream show that's up on peristylepodcast.com as well. We will try to do a podcast next week. Probably no recruiting blast. Uh, it will be the uh, day after Christmas or the week after Christmas. I'll be on the road still. but So we'll try to do a regular podcast. Maybe we'll get Gerard on and, and answer a few recruiting questions, and then we'll kind of get back to the regular routine after that. We'll be down in San Antonio. Lots of recruiting stuff going on there. So it's going to be fast and furious all the way up until signing day. So stay tuned for all that. Thanks very much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.